turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Good morning, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. How are you? Talking money, investment concepts, thoughts, ideas. We can talk insurance. We talk investments. We can take your phone calls. We can talk about the wisdom of going to an expensive store or game. We can talk about car payments or no car payments. I know people are addicted to car payments. They feel, and I heard this the other day, Tony. This was the craziest thing I heard. Um, person's car is, is at its end of its life cycle a little bit too early because it's ridden too hard. It's time to go trade it in and get a new one. Um, why is it getting two-year certified, which... Thumbs up, because sometimes that's difficult to do when you want the new car smell. As Chad Burton would say, man, like I said earlier, he is full of hot air. <laughs> it's new to you. <laughs> oh, he's such a bore. He's a showboat. He's a grandstander. I'd say he's a bore. So I'm the showboat and grandstander. Um, but yeah, anything people want to talk about. We can talk wealth creation. We can talk investment. We can talk retirement taxes, your money. We can talk business. Uh, there's any, there's no shortage of things. One of the things I want to talk about is real estate because you're here today. And I saw that in the second quarter of the year, arm usage goes up, um, adjustable rate mortgages. And I instantly went, why? And Tony Mendez works with BayAreaLoanSource.com. He does my mortgage work, currently working through a home equity line of credit, which is such a process. We're on the tail end of it at this point in time, but it is such a process. Um, Tony, arm usage, did you... I figured out this, the reason why arm usage goes up in the second quarter. Do you know the the official reason given? Uh, I don't. Are you talking about the, your reason or the the real reason? Uh, the real reason arm usage goes up in the second quarter of the year. No. I, back to school. Back to school. Okay. People go and they're looking for homes for their kids. So it's the single family person that is buying too much home, or they're buying it's expensive. Okay. So well, they're saying you know. Arm usage goes up in large part tied towards all the people buying single family homes in spring. Well, that, that's one. That's one of the reasons. The 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 reason why. I mean, obviously, a thirty year fix would fit 
if you would could get a 30 fix, you would get it. Um, the, the, what they're saying in this report is that more people are using arms because it's the, the only loans that they qualify for, or it helps them qualify for more. It's kind of one in the same. Um, arm usage is low, so you are going to see any kind of activity uh, in upward look like a large percentage uh, in the Bay Area. We to the, go back to 2005, six, and seven, leading to the uh, Great Recession. We were using about 65 percent of originate of homes being purchased. They were using arms. Okay, and there was a component in there with those the liar loans, the teaser rates, and the negam loans, things like that, that were a large portion of that. But arm usage was there because it had that super low rate. Then we had the crash, and now we have qualified mortgages, and everybody's kind of fearful of the thirty-year fixed. And now we're in. Now we're getting back to those arms because home price, because that lower interest rate helps people qualify for more. So that's the reason why. This made news. Otherwise, it would not normally make news because more people need it for buying that higher price home. So I, I once was driving on a country road. It was super dark at night. And as I'm driving down, it's, it's raining and it's windy road and it's a country road. I see a man standing on the side of the road. I decided to pull over and give him a ride. I stop. He's a horrible looking man. He's got three heads, no arms, one leg. I open the door, and because I'm English in this joke, I go, Hello, hello, hello. You look pretty harmless. Jump in. So once again, he had three heads, no arms, and one leg. What's an arm? You just went on about arm usage and stuff, such like that. Adjust, people, adjustable rate mortgage? Why would people use a three-armed person or a five-armed <laughs> person? Three-year arm, five-year arm, seven-year arm. Well, let's say, for example, that you're going to buy a house and you're going to move in five years. Say, for example, you're such a salesperson. Let's say, for example, you buy a house. Do you want to get insurance on it? Do you want to protect your family? Let's say, for example, a comet falls on your house. And kills everyone. Aren't you glad you had insurance? Go ahead. <laughs> For example, it's your turn. For example, it's my turn. Uh, and why would you get a thirty-year fix when you can pay, you know, three quarter, uh, three, um, three quarters of a percent lower in rate, s- and your payments lower, and to end up with the same balance, why would you pay more? Right? That's the whole theory behind it. If you are going to stay in the house for a longer period of time and you get an arm, you risk that when that. Loan starts adjusting. Because I've sold almost every home that I own. I always got 30-year mortgages. And I thought I was going to be in it for 30 years, but a lot of the homes that I owned, I didn't own for 30 years. I kind of regret getting 30 years. It's like getting term life insurance. It's it's like getting a two-year used car. It's a lower payment than a brand new car. And I could have put money elsewhere. Yep. But stupid me, I'd get a 30-year fixed. And I'd be like, I'm happy because I know it's going to stay the same. And then five years later, I'm like, I'm moving to the West Coast. Well, the component that really um, messed people up back in 2007 and 8 was the interest only because they'd go five years that. for the interest only, and then it would recast. Yeah. So their balance never went down, and then their term was 25 years, and their payment would, would go up $1,000 a month, and they're like, oh, what do I do? And uh, luckily, home prices were going up, but when home prices are going down, people don't. They don't feel like they should be paying that extra thousand, and that's what really screwed things up. And then the negams were even worse because they were adding, a, not only were you paying interest only, you're adding the, the difference between the start rate and the real rate 
to the top of the loan, so they were adding a balance. So it was, it was even worse with the Negam loans. Um, those yeah. aren't there anymore. So I feel a lot more comfortable getting an arm today and not just for mortgage. The seven-year is fantastic priced, but I wouldn't get it if I can't qualify for the 30-year fixed, or I wouldn't get it unless I can save that extra hundred, two hundred, three hundred dollars a month that I'm saving. And and the larger the loan, obviously, the more you're going to save by getting that one percent difference in rate. It's, if you're not saving that money in 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 anticipation that rates are going to be higher in seven years, and you have to refinance and you have to buy the rate down. Or you need to sell the house. You got to have that money saved. It's just like we were talking about the car. Keep planning on making that payment so you don't have that payment shock uh, when you go back and buy a new car. I'm with you. Um, with arms, though, are they easier to qualify for or tougher in your world? Because it's a smaller payment. Well, if you if uh, without boring you with guidelines, please, please, it's what please, you do for me. Uh, if you get a five year arm, they qualify you at the rate plus two. But a seven-year arm, they qualify you at the start rate. That's why the seven-year is more popular right now. So if you don't qualify at a 30-year fixed at 4.5%, but you get a seven-year arm at 3.5% and your payment's 200 dollars lower and you qualify, yeah, you're gonna, you, it does help you qualify, yes. Okay. But the underwriting is all the same. Credit scores and could be a little bit tougher. Cash out or restrictions. Um, restrictions on second homes and restrictions on investment property, duplexes, triplexes, so on. Okay. Um, one minute. One minute. Negative interest rate. Um, any chance interest only uh, mortgages are still available on they, arms? Oh yeah, they are. Uh, crazy. They are on what they call a non-qualified mortgage loan, and you usually, you're going to get those only at portfolio lenders, lenders that don't sell to Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. They keep it in their own bank, their own pocketbook. Uh, but they are available, but the rate starts higher anyways. So you might as well get the, the total principal interest pay, loan anyways. There's not just one mortgage product out there. There's hundreds of mortgage products out there, and you may want to discuss this with Tony Mendez. He's at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. A lot of wealth can be created in real estate. A lot of squandered opportunities can go down the drain because of real estate. A uh, lot to think about. Home equity line of credit, a way of selling your home without actually selling it. Talk to Tony at BayAreaLoanSource.com. Talk to me at RobBlackShow.com. Making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Oh, my God, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking money, investing in more. Happy day to you. Hiring has surged again in the U.S. And again in the U.S., there's not enough wage inflation for us to get freaked out about. The labor force participation rate jumped by the most in eight years, showing that a lot of working-age Americans are still out of the labor market. 
Wage growth slowed, and the spike reported last month was revised lower. That's non-inflationary. That means the Fed doesn't have to rush out and raise interest rates. Is the thought, this is the year of the Fed, this is the year of the interest rates, this is the year of volatility, this is the year of tariffs, tax cuts get enacted. That's the only positive one I've thrown out so far, right? So we've got a lot going on. A lot going on. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and or more. Insurance is always a good one. Homes. You want to call in and ask a question about buying a home, selling a home. Is now the time to do it. Our home price is going to fall. Um, wow. There used to be a, a funny line when we were all growing up, you know, uh, I think Dave Letterman made a joke out of it at some point in time where he was just said, location, location, location. And it's tied towards real estate and how real estate is so super important to location, location, location. Last year's bad guy, Kim Jong-il is turning in this year's good guy. He's thinking about talking about, you know, uh, nuclear talks. Do we trust him? We've kind of gone through there as this before. Companies across, met with. companies across America say that they're under intense pressure to pay workers more. Um, I believe that. Um, I've come a long way since being a teenager, and I remember when I was a teenager, minimum wage was four seventy-five or five and a quarter, something like that. And I remember like, whoa, I just got bumped up to five, six and a quarter, something like that. It was like a happy day for me. I didn't have a lot of willpower. I didn't have a lot of ability to, you know, screw the man. Fight the system, bring down the corporate governance. I had none of that. So when I hear corporate America saying a lot of people are putting pressure on them about wages, I get it. I get it. When, you know, recently we saw Home Depot say, we're, we're going to spend millions and millions of dollars letting people know that we're hiring people. That seems weird, right? Higher wages has come out as a conversational piece this year, in large part because a lot of municipalities and states and governments have uh, raised the minimum wage. So it's getting there. I think I drove by a, I want to say an Arby's. I don't know. They all look the same to me after a while, as far as fast food goes. Um, it could have been the jack-in-the-box. But uh I said starting 12.50 an hour, I'm like, whew. Things have changed since I was a kid, but here's the problem. The wages have inflated for pay at fast food, but so has the cost of an apartment. So has the, cause I remember the first apartment I got was, I want to say $800 a month, and it felt like a lot. It wasn't, but it felt like a lot. So inflation, that's your, your thought of the day. Wage inflation as well as rent inflation and things. Uh, keeping up with each other. Wages have been rising faster for lower-paid workers in the United States. Average hourly earnings rose year-on-year at the fastest pace since 2009. Comments from executives are are basically coming out and saying wage growth has recently taken on more importance as far as things that people want to talk about at work. Um, Walmart said, we made investment in wages. Kroger CEO said, over time, his jobs become very plentiful. The starting wage becomes more important, so we've meaningfully increased starting wages across the company. So there you have a grocery store and a big retail store, right? 
And then you get Abercrombie and Fitch. They said on the expense side for our wage pressure, we have seen pressure in wages across our fleet and in our distribution centers. Another another company saying wage pressure, wage inflation. It's happening. Burlington Stores. Um, CEO says, we're pleased to announce the following CapEx and incremental operation expenses, investments into 2018 to drive sales growth, improve our infrastructure, and give back to our associates. Um, number two, incremental hourly wages of $30 million on top of three prior years of similar increases. Again, wages, 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 wages. It's one of the stories of 2018, in my opinion, is inflation. The Fed's rising, raising interest rates because the economy is doing well, but when the economy does well, you're able to tell your boss, you know, I don't think I want to flip burgers anymore for $12 an hour. And your boss is like, well, how about 13 And you're like, yes, no, no, I don't want to do it for 13 And your boss is like, well, okay, I'm going to go break the piggy bank and pay you 13 and a quarter. Um, and that's, and you're like, sure, I'll do it. Uh, but then it gets to the point where there's signs out at Home Depot. There's signs now at Arby's like, hey, we're hiring. Like, it's tough to get people in, whether it's Target or Bojangles or Ross or Del Frisco, Foot Locker, JCPenney, Sotheby's. They're all raising ever so slightly minimum wage and the wages that they pay their executives. And sometimes that is faster than 2 2.5%, and that's when you start going inflation. Uh, is the company going to grow earnings faster than that? Are they going to get you know more productivity out of that employee? To be able to raise raise wages, gosh, that R and W is tricky for me this morning. Try navigating that one without coffee. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about? We could talk about money invested in more. We could talk about um, Oprah Winfrey. Wow, she, she is such a diva on the set of A Wrinkle in Time. She insists that no one's allowed to chew gum in front of her. You're not allowed to play music in the trailer because she wants to get into her Oprah zone. Say what? And you can't chew gum in front of her. Can you imagine? I've heard things like Stallone doesn't want his paid help looking him in the eyes. Can you imagine being such a Richard that, that that's how it plays out? That's terrible. It's terrible. Um, so... I see the edge of things, and I always like to comment on the edge of things, because to me, it, it tells me kind of where we're going. Uh, there's a story out this week, and there's been so many stories. There's a story out in the New York Times that uh, basically said Silicon Valley is over, according to Silicon Valley executives. And San Francisco housing is so expensive that middle-class workers are moving into dorms with shared bathrooms. One of the highlights in my life was I got to move out of college. I got to move out of the dorm. I got to move into an apartment have my own bathroom, have my own, you know, space, invite friends over, cook dinners, have beer in my fridge that I could say, hey, you want a beer? But the big dormitory push, and we're okay with it. And at some point in time, we're like 40 years old and we're living in a dormitory, and we're not okay with it. I think this is a story that ends poorly, and it just shows you what crazy extreme links we're going through. To say, we're okay with it. Uh, sorry, I don't want to live in a dorm ever again. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Always too late for a revolution. A break for the final solution.
and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. of young people who got rich off cryptocurrencies from all around the world. One of them took Bob Mitzvah money and put it in Bitcoin years and years and years and years ago, and it turned into something pretty good. Inside the story, you see how $5,000 turns into $200,000 in just a few short weeks, a few short months. What's interesting when you start taking a look at the article and you see these people, a lot of them were coal miners. Some of them were 12-year-old kids. Some of them made deals with mom and dad like, hey, if I you know, do really well in business, do I have to go to college? Um, one of them taught tennis lessons his whole youth, and put all that money into cryptocurrencies when he had a big lump sum to do it. None of them are smart or insightful or wise or have advanced degrees in computers. They're all just random people. I could show you a list of nine people who've made millions, including the creepy Winklevoss twins, which I'm sorry, but when you dress like your brother... After the age of 30, you're creepy. And um, for the nine people that I could show you that have hit home runs, I could also show you 20,000 people that have struck out. But being the media people that we are, we're like, look how great everyone did. It's these, a list of nine people. And you go back and you think about some of the big home run hitters, Barry Bonds. How many home, how many World Series did he win? Answer would be zero. And he was the home run champion of the world, right? So try not to hit home runs is my advice. Bitcoin prices fall below 9,000, a 24% decline for the week. I, I, I can't live in that world. I'm sorry. There was a point in time where I was dating someone where... Something dramatic would happen like every two weeks. She'd be like, oh, did I tell you when I was three I was kidnapped by aliens? I'm like, okay. Oh, did I tell you when I was three years old in two months that I was, um, uh, Sheik took me to Saudi Arabia and uh, put me in his harem? I'm like, you were three years old in two months and a Sheik put you in a harem? You get to the point where you're just like, I can't deal with this anymore. 24% drop in a week. Can't deal with it. I'm not in. Even if it goes up a hundred million thousand percent. Um, it just shows me how random things can be. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Got an email from Amazon yesterday that said, the Whole Foods in your area can now deliver to your home within two hours. 
We can deliver meat. We could deliver fruits or vegetables, what have you. That's not for me. I kind of like, you know, remember when we used to say things like, yeah, I kind of like going to a bookstore and grabbing a book and sitting down and reading the first couple pages and deciding if I wanted to buy it or not. And now you're just like, uh, charge it to my Kindle. Just put it on my Kindle. You you kind of lost that desire to go and shop, but I was just getting ready to say, I still like to go grocery shop and look at my orange and go, okay, I'm going to go for the one that's not perfectly round because I'm not perfectly round. And then later when I enjoy it, I'm going to say, this orange is not perfect, but it's perfect for me. I know you're saying, what were you smoking last night? Oranges. So Amazon Prime Pantry is shifting to a $5 monthly subscription. Amazon's going to roll out Prime Pantry subscription gradually. The service includes perishable household goods and offers free shipping once an order passes a price threshold. The company will roll out Prime Pantry subscription gradually. It's been tweaking its membership model in recent months. So it's going to be extra charge, right? Service delivers non-perishable household goods. Um, like beauty and clean supplies and shelf-stable food items. It's one of several features Amazon touts is maximizing convenience and speedy shipping. Company's going to roll out Prime, Prime Pantry. And I'm like, do I ever use Prime Pantry? I think I kind of do. So I get all my paper towels and all my toilet paper that way. And uh, I don't mind having extra paper towels around. I don't mind having extra toilet paper around. I mind not having enough of either or. And you know what's funny? Millennials hate paper towels. They like reusable towels. Right? Good. Um, Facebook's going to stream exclusive live Major League Baseball games for the first time ever. Now, I would be interested in this if they would kill one of my friends during a Facebook live stream of a Major League Baseball game. I would actually watch that Major League Baseball game. If one of my friends were going to be put on the first baseline and you know tied to a stake and the chance of a ball ramming into his head. Like I'd be like, no more Trump posts from him. Sweet. I'd watch that game. Who are the people who are watching baseball games on Facebook? Like I know that Yahoo does hockey games and such. Do you ever find yourself at work going, man, I'd really like to see what Yahoo or Facebook is showing right now? Games are mostly Wednesday afternoon games. So, so far from prime time that... It's not going to move the needle. Facebook's going to start the baseball season with an April 4th matchup of the Philadelphia Phillies and New York Mets. Reports puts Facebook's future spending on live sports licensing in the range of a few billion dollars. So they certainly have the money to keep the maniacal race of live entertainment tied towards sports pushing forward. I hear that there's going to be a big um, bidding war to get the services of... Uh, not Eli Manning, who's the other Manning? Peyton Manning, to get the services of Peyton Manning because John Gruden's going from the Monday night football booth to being head coach of the Raiders again. And supposedly Fox and everyone's just drooling over themselves. ESPN, they're, they're, they're dying to get Peyton Manning. Who I find kind of boring. He's got a good sense of humor. He can deliver a joke, but... It, it just shows you again, as long as Facebook, Google, Amazon, Apple are throwing more money at live sports franchises and Major League Baseball and NFL and NHL, the owners are going to keep making big dollars and they're going to revenue share with employee, the employees, i.e. the players. And I just don't get it. 
So elsewhere out there, Waymo is going to launch a self-driving truck pilot in Atlanta for Google data centers. So don't know how I feel about that. Tesla just had two of their big semi-trucks deliver batteries from the Utah Reno plant all the way to the Fremont plant. And Waymo is going to test self-driving trucks in Atlanta. Waymo is going to launch a pilot program in Atlanta where its self-driving trucks will carry freight to Google's data centers. Atlanta is one of the biggest logistic hubs in the country, which is kind of interesting to me why, you know, you keep hearing about Amazon's second headquarters. It seems to be down to Washington, D.C., so they can do lobbying. And it seems to be down to Atlanta, which would be logistics. And I just I don't see why the logistics doesn't trump lobbying, but I don't know. Waymo has already been testing trucks in California and Arizona and says it's driven 5 million miles on public roads, another 5 billion in simulations. Can you imagine how much money we're spending on gasoline for these things? Just so we can make sure that they don't plow into a, a group of school children. I still want someone to answer this for me. What does the car do if it's in self-driving mode? If you're going to run into the back of a truck and certainly die, or you can swerve and run over 10 little school children and kill them. Does it protect the driver or does it protect the school children? I wish someone would give me an answer because I don't have an answer to that. Now, for me, if it were to swerve and hit a, a group of 75-year-old Californians, I'd be fine with that because we've got to get rid of the old people. They're using all of our benefits. They're all, I got Prop 13, nanny, nanny, nanny. Hey, man, I'm 91 years old. Got that? I deserve a little respect from (laughs) you, my buddy. So if you were to swerve left in a group of school children, swerve right in a group of old people who are all going to Denny's for dinner because they home of the $4 dinner, as long as you get there by 3 um, or if it's going to kill the driver. What does the car do? That's that's the one that's fascinating. Can we override that? Can we say, choose me, not the... Anyway, I'm going to drop that conversation because I'm having it kind of with myself, and that's just not fun anymore. I'm done with it. You probably don't think I'm a very nice guy. Um, so jobs are a big thing that's driving the market right now, and... It's going to be, jobs are going to be tied towards the economy, and jobs are going to be tied towards wage inflation. Wage inflation is going to be tied towards uh, inflation. Inflation is going to be tied towards the Federal Reserve. Federal Reserve is going to be tied towards interest rates. Uh, to me, this is a pretty obvious market. It's it's not hiding a lot right now. Uh, again, tomorrow we could learn, you know, uh, something insane, and the market goes a totally different direction. But we're good for now. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW on the iHeartRadio app.
Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Black talking money, investing in more. When it comes to money, you probably want to break some long-term goals into bite-sized chunks. When you get married, when you settle down, when you're with a sugar bugger, when you're raising a family, you got to start thinking things like college and future cars, and homes, and future homes. I think one of the things that's kind of struck me as a reality is as you start getting closer to 50, you start thinking, did I plan enough for colleges? Did I plan enough for taxes this year? So you always want to do things in bite-sized chunks. So start thinking college and put a number on it. You don't have to solve it today. Take the weekend off. You don't have to solve it today. I hate advice like use a cash-only diet to keep spending in check. That's just admitting that you're pathetic. If you can't stick with a credit card and know that you make $2,000 a month, don't spend more than $2,000 a month. And like, well, I just had a $73 lunch. You're probably going to spend more than $2,000 a month. You should have a feel for uh, where you're going to fall as far as your spending goes. And you should have different categories in your head. Your regular bills, they never fluctuate. I was just looking at my trash bill, doing my budget from last year. I know, you're saying you still do budgets from the past year? Yeah. And for some reason, my trash gets filled heavy every other month. So it's like one month they bill for two months, and the next month they bill for one month. And I don't even know what I'm spending on trash. It's a trap! That's Adam Lackbar. He's my good buddy. Akbar died in the recent movie. No more Akbar. It's a trap. It's a trap. So look at your regular bills and then look at things that you know vary from month to month, like food and clothes and gifts. Think of some of your money in like a regular account. Think of some of it in a checking account. Think of some of it in an investment account. Don't look at it as you know it's all cash. I hate people who say just look you know spend cash only. Uh, it's okay to keep some things separate with your finances. Um, if that's the way you feel comfortable, that's the way you feel comfortable. But the the thing is, is you have to agree on the bigger purchases. And you have to agree on like what number do you feel comfortable with. And if he wants to save and she wants to spend, or he wants to spend and she wants a vacation, or you kind of got to get on the same page, right? Um, have regular dates to talk about money. I know you're saying sexy. You mean like a, a date where we talk about how much we're going to spend at a masseuse? No, 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 no. <laughs> a date where you talk about money. You could keep the masseuses separate, okay? Keep the bedtime, love, and action separate than the money talks. Never talk about money when you're drunk. High, stone, uh, angry. Take the emotions out of money. 
So if you can handle it as a team, that's great. I could tell you as a guy who pays all the bills, who sees all the bills, who funds all the bills, um, who pays all the credit cards on time, who looks at the rewards and figures those out on time, I could tell you you could start to resent a partner pretty easily. If you're making all the decisions and you're paying all the bills and the other person's like, I'm going to go fill up the gas tank. I'm helping the family today. You could really get kind of angry at that person. It's like, okay. Okay. Um, try to fit a budget that create, uh, try to get a, a budget that kind of like fits both of you. I will be honest with you. I wear a t-shirt, a hoodie, jeans, white socks, and one of two pairs of sneakers a day. For typically 365 days of the year. There's a couple days where I break out sweaters and ski clothes and shorts when it gets really hot. It's hot out here. Um, but it's not often. I don't spend a lot on clothes. But if I'm with someone who wants to spend a lot on clothes, I'm fine with that. Let's just budget for it and make sure that you know we're good with that. So create a budget that fits both of your lifestyles. I find that one kind of important. So, you know, maybe my thing's video games or maybe my thing's buying magic gummy bears. You know, maybe my thing is watching, going to one sporting event a year. I find that people that have season tickets to things, that's just too much, isn't it? The best way to do season tickets is at least splitting them so you're only doing 25% of the games. Going to every game is like, it's a chore. You know, I would have loved to watch the Warriors live last night. I had to work. Glad I don't have season tickets because then I would be like, oh, I got to give away the tickets. But knowing that there's another game in like two days and knowing there's, you know, not like it's too much. I once had season tickets. Probably the biggest thing I regret. There's a couple. Most of them have to do with women. Some of them did with scotch. But probably the biggest thing I regret in my life was buying season tickets with a friend to the Washington Capitals some 20 years plus ago. Uh, 25 years. Think of me as just out of, high, out of college and spending $2,000, not on a car, not on a house, but on a sporting event that you had to drive to in rush hour. So, no, it's not fun. It's not nice. It's no good. It's no bueno. I know you're saying, Rob, you're showing some true colors today. A hoodie and sneakers? You don't like season tickets? (laughs) I get carried away, carried away, carried away.